Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hello and happy Halloween. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I'm back with the final Halloween special. To preface, and before I even tell you the title or the subjects, bits of this will have already been mentioned in earlier episodes for what will become obvious reasons, but nothing is a full repeat. And I must admit, I have no intention of rereading or re-listening to myself to sort out which versions of things I may have chosen when discussing these topics initially. As I've said before, Greek mythology has endless versions and options to choose from. Nothing is finite. And so, if you hear something and you say, God damn it, Liv, you're contradicting yourself. You've said something different in insert episode title here. Then to you I say, you're not wrong. Such is Greek mythology. Now you know two versions. You're welcome. This is episode 15, an ancient Greek monster mash. 
Number one, Cyclops. You'll recall way back at the very beginning when the ancient Greek world we know of was just being created, there were the Cyclops, children of Gaia and Uranus, siblings to the Hecatonchires. The Cyclops were a race of giants, notable for the single eye in the middle of their faces, and they were particularly ferocious. Their father, Uranus, imprisoned the Cyclops in the depths of Tartarus. They were freed by Cronus before being locked up once again by the same maniacal titan. Zeus, when he finally defeated Cronus and freed his siblings, the Olympians, also freed the Cyclops. In return for their freedom, they forged his signature lightning bolts. The most famous story of a Cyclops is that of Polyphemus and the trouble he caused for the hero Odysseus as he tried to return home after the end of the Trojan War. Odysseus and his men find themselves trapped in a cave on the island inhabited by Polyphemus when the giant one-eyed man blocks the entrance to the cave. One by one, he devours the flesh of Odysseus's companions. Finally, Odysseus, and the cleverness he's known for, devises a plan to free himself and the remaining men from Polyphemus's grasp. Odysseus gets Polyphemus drunk off the wine he had brought with him on his ship, and when asked what his name is by the drunken giant, he says that it is nobody. When Polyphemus finally falls asleep in his wine-induced stupor, Odysseus and his men blind him. This is, of course, not particularly difficult because the guy only has the one eye. When Polyphemus wakes up, he's blind, hungover, and super pissed. He yells out that nobody has blinded him. I don't believe this additional funny anecdote means much because there is no one other than Polyphemus and Odysseus's group on the island, but hey, it adds a bit of comic relief. Odysseus and his men sneak by the blind giant by strapping themselves to the many sheep that Polyphemus shepherds and letting them lead them away. Given Polyphemus is blind, one would think that they wouldn't need this added effort, but frankly, I don't have time to reread the Odyssey for this story, so maybe there's some explanation there that I'm not remembering. Number 2. Ictiocentaur. Ichthyocentaur is, most importantly, an awesome word. The creatures, though, were also pretty cool. They were sea creatures, monsters, I suppose, but less monstrous than many on this list. They had the top half of human, men, of course, so standard head and chest and arms, and they had the front part of a horse below that, so front legs and hooves and everything, coming from the mid-human body. Then... The bottom half was the tail of a fish. And to bring it all together, they had lobster claw horns on their heads. Three, the Ampusa. The Ampusa was a friend of Queen Witch Hecate and is probably the least known in today's monster mash. She was a she, but she was particularly awesome. The Ampusa is a beautiful woman, stunning, but in an instant, she transforms into a beast woman with fanged teeth, flaming hair, and giant bat wings. She then proceeds to gorge on the flesh and drink the blood of men who fall victim to her beauty. She is Darla, she is Drusilla, and 
I will stop making Buffy references. Maybe. Number four, Scylla and Charybdis. Guys, I love Scylla and Charybdis. Just the idea of them. They're awesome. Okay, right. Details of why they're so cool. So these two monsters are, guess what? Female. Shocker. You'll notice there there are so few females on this list. That's sarcasm. They're all female. Not all. Most But that's fine. Whatever. They're awesome. They are sea monsters while simultaneously far more than that. They are most famous, as with Polyphemus, for being a part of Odysseus's epic quest to return home from the Trojan War. The two monsters reside in Sicily, or rather in the sea off the coast of Sicily, specifically on either side of the narrow strait between the island and the Italian mainland. Now, that location is not entirely accepted. It is mythology, after all. More generally, they resided between a narrow strait. I just like the idea that we have a real location to relate to them. Also, I've been there, so it makes me feel cool. But that's why we refer to them together, because they use the narrow strait that was their home to make it easy to work in constant teamwork to wreck ships and destroy lives. Charybdis was a kind of mystery monster. She showed herself as a giant whirlpool that would capture ships and anything else that was pulled into its powerful, swirling waters. And on the other side, her sister Scylla, a many-headed sea monster that would devour the sailors who dared to attempt to bypass the whirlpool of Charybdis by getting too close to the other side of the strait. On the other hand, there is an even more intriguing description of Scylla, and by intriguing, I mean really quite troubling. Sometimes she is said to have had the top half of a woman, female to the hips, and at the hips she transformed into a dog, and below that a fish. Oh, and she had wings. Now, I want you to picture that. You're having as much trouble as I am. I seriously have zero idea how that would work. I guess similar to an ichthyocentaur. But regardless, what is always true about Scylla is her association with Charybdis and how they work together to really fuck shit up. Truly, they were a menace. Number five, Lamia. Lamia, which literally means the devourer. This was a tale told to scare children. I've never understood why adults enjoy scaring children into behaving, but it seems it's as old as time. Regardless, Lamia was originally a queen who ruled over Libya. Zeus fell in love with her because she was hot, you know, so super out of character of him. And they had children. Also, big surprise. And Hera got angry. I mean, you didn't see that coming, did you? Hera killed Lamia's children, and ever since, Lamia is said to steal away other children in the night. She can take her eyes out of her head and set them watching, so that the children can't escape even when she's sleeping. And she can transform herself into anything. So she's less monster, more patriarchy gone wrong, even by the usual standards. Number six, Typhon. Typhon, where would we be in this monster mash without Typhon, father of monsters? 
Like the Cyclops, I did mention Typhon way back in the days of the Theogony and again when I told you about old Cadmus. But you can never have too much terrifying monster, am I right? And seriously, was this dude ever terrifying? For one, he was massive. Huge. They said that if he stood up, his head brushed the stars. Guys, that's fucking big. Okay, and here's a great example of where something is going to differ from when it was first introduced way back when, because thank you classicalwisdom.com for this description. The lower half of Typhon's body was two coiled viper's tails, hissing constantly, even though they didn't have heads. Now that's creepy, but that's not the half of it. See, he had arms. Okay, so you'd think that he'd have hands and fingers on those arms? Nope, dragons. He had dragons for fingers. Dragons for fingers. And not only was he so tall and massive that his head brushed the stars, he also had wings so massive that when they spread, they would blot out the sun. Sorry, I just can't get over the dragon fingers. And of course, as we learned way back when, on top of all of this, well, on top of all this, he had a hundred snake heads writhing atop his shoulders. Seven, Echidna. Echidna was Typhon's, for lack of a better term, wife. She was the mother to his father of monsters. Echidna was half woman, half snake. She was born in a cave, and she lived alone in that cave forever. She was born with, quote, a masculine disposition, apparently, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. She would eat people raw. Anyone who came anywhere near her cave, she would steal them away and devour them whole. It was really quite pleasant. Now, Echidna and Typhon were the so-called parents of monsters, you say. So who were their children? Well, let me tell you. Eight. Cerberus. Of Cerberus, I've spoken quite a bit because he's one of my favorites. I won't repeat myself too much. He was massive, terrifying, three-headed dog who guarded the entrance to the underworld. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Number nine, the Hydra. No, I'm not talking about the Nazi-come evil science group from Caption America, though that is where they got their name and their logo. The Hydra is, surprise, surprise, a female water monster who is a snake-slash-reptile creature with breath so poisonous even a huff in your direction would make you drop dead. The Hydra is most famous for her incredible ability to regenerate, much to the distress of those humans who might encounter her. See, our zero-to-hero friend is the one who ultimately defeated her. Yes, that's right, this is a thing that is actually accurate in the Disney movie. Huzzah! You remember, right? Hydra's the monster who, when you cut off one of her scary, angry snake heads, two more would grow in its place. Seriously, she was tricky. And scary. Definitely scary. And don't think I'm cheating you out of a good story by not providing details on her ghastly demise. See, I've got a plan, kind of, and that plan involves covering our friend Heracles slash Hercules pretty soon. Orthos. Orthos was a treat. There isn't much to say about him except that he had two heads, seven serpent heads, and a serpent's tail. An Orthos and Echidna, they even had kids, which, gross, I imagine, but it's hard to say with monsters like that. Is it still incest? I mean, I'd guess so. Eleven. The Sphinx. Child of Orthos and his mother, Echidna, the Sphinx was destined to be a monster. Because, you know, child of monsters. As we learned in Oedipus's tale, the Sphinx was one of the less terrifying monsters, at least in terms of this list. She was half-woman, half-lioness, with massive wings. Her trick being, if you couldn't answer her riddles, she'd just straight-up kill you. Number 12, the Chimera. Back to Echidna's children with Typhon, the Chimera is a badass beast, one of my personal favorites. It has the body and head of a lion with a very angry goat's head protruding from its back and the tail of a poisonous snake, who is also quite angry like his goat and lion brethren. The Chimera breathes fire and prowls the earth, particularly waiting for shipwrecks whose victims turn into Chimera prey. She is female because, again, most of the monsters are, and I choose to take that as a compliment for females and not the insult that it most likely was. Because, of course, patriarchy. 
The Chimera was the mother of the Manticore and the Nimian Lion. She was only defeated when the hero Bellerophon had on his side a certain flying horse that is not a breed nor a plural in any way, but simply one flying horse named Pegasus. I can't bring him up without providing this information because it truly makes me troublingly angry when people mess it up. Honestly, it shouldn't annoy me as much as it does. It's not rational. Thirteen, the Manticore. The Manticore came originally from Persia, or Iran as we now call it. Its name meant man-eater. The Greeks took the concept and adapted it to their own mythology, making it a child of the Chimera. The Manticore, from some angles, might have looked like a simple lion. It has the body of a lion along with the mane, but it had a human face. Picture that. And just for good measure, it didn't have a standard fuzzy furry lion tail. No, it was a massive and deadly scorpion tail. And that scorpion tail, that scorpion tail was equipped with barbs that could be shot off at any moment, causing pretty hardcore and violent damage to anyone who came within barb reach. Also, I would be remiss if I did not point out the connection to a show that, fine, was cancelled 16 years ago. But you know what? I still miss it. Manticore was used as the main big bad style military complex from the short-lived but ever awesome show Dark Angel. Fourteen, the Nimian Lion. The Nimian Lion was, well, a lion, but it wasn't just any lion. On top of being the offspring of the Chimera, much like the Manticore, it was gold, and its fur and skin could not be pierced by any weapon. But it wasn't just gold-colored, no, it was like gold. And on top of that, super sharp claws. They could cut through any armor. So, sure, maybe not the most creative of the Monster Mash, but I wouldn't want to run into an angry Nemean lion. Plus... Fun fact, while of course there are no longer lions in Greece, and frankly, when you think of lions, you don't exactly think Europe, but in ancient times, the Asiatic lion roamed ancient Greece quite a bit. There were lots. Herodotus, basically the man who invented the concept of history, he talked about the population of lions in Greece before about 100 BCE, when they went extinct. I blame Alexander the Great. I'm not sure why, the timing doesn't really add up, but I do. He had that whole thing with the elephants. I bet he did a lot of damage to the lion population. 15. Number 15. Harpies. Okay, we're done with the children of Typhon and Echidna now, onto a group of female monsters that serve the will of Zeus. Weird, right? The harpies were the spirits of sharp gusts of wind. But that suggests that they're kind of enjoyable. They are not. They were known as the Hounds of Zeus and were this strange combo of bird women. The size of women, but with the bodies of birds and only the heads of the female women. They would have looked hella strange, my friends. They were said to appear and snatch people up out of the blue. Anytime there was a strange disappearance, the Greeks blamed it on the harpii, the Greek plural of harpy. Sixteen, sirens. Speaking of bird women, the Cyrenes, sirens, were three more bird women. They were originally handmaidens of Persephone, 
And when she was abducted by Hades and brought to the underworld, Demeter gave them wings in order to help with the search. Eventually, when Persephone was located, they settled on an island in the Mediterranean and spent the rest of their time luring sailors to their deaths which their, with their bewitching song. Why they became evil and why Demeter didn't just transform them back is beyond me. Number 17, the Hippos Monocaras. Hippos Monocaras. Sounds wordy, right? There's another name, the Latin name, Unicorni. So yeah, we're talking unicorns. Hippos monocoras literally just means one-horned horses, since confusing as it may seem, hippo means horse. These were beautiful snow-white horses from India with one horn. Seriously, the Greeks invented everything good. And finally... Number 18, the Eumenides, Erenues, Furies, whatever you want to call them, we're going out with a bang. These are some of my favorite monsters of Greek mythology. Again, they're the Eumenides or the Erenues or the Furies. Three names, three badass monster ladies. Seriously, they're basically all ladies, these monsters. Ancient Greeks thought super highly of females, to say the least. I'm like, oh, the scary monsters, they're all women, all of them. The Eumenides were Chthonic vengeance deities. Chthonic means that they were associated with the Earth, or the Underworld specifically. If you think way back, I told you how the Arenoids were born. They, along with the Gigantes, were born of the blood splatter when Kronos castrated his father. So you know, they're good because they were born of blood. It's not always clear how many Arenoids, Eumenides, whatever you want to call them, how many there were, though traditions often suggest three. There are three of a great many things in Greek mythology, so it makes a lot of sense. Hell, this list alone makes that clear. And Virgil, the Roman poet, wrote of their names in the Aeneid. Electo, meaning endless. Megara, meaning jealous rage. And Tisiphone, meaning vengeful destruction. The Arenoes lived in Erebus, one of the more troubling regions of the underworld, sometimes interchangeable with Tartarus, so you know it's good. Mostly, the Arenoids handled crimes by young people against the old or by guests inflicted upon their hosts. They were women, vaguely, with snakes for hair and dogs' heads, bloodshot eyes, and bat wings. They were really quite pleasant. They're probably most famously known for punishing Orestes when he killed his father in the Oresteia. There are plays about this by all three of the ancient Greek tragic playwrights. Most famously in Aeschylus' Oresteia, the play about this section actually being called the Eumenides. They are badass monsters if I've ever seen them. And there it is, the scariest, eeriest, generally just most violent monsters of Greek mythology. So I think that it would be a mistake not to talk about why the ancient Greeks needed these monsters in their mythology. I mean, of course, they're not the only ones. You know, we have dragons from, I think, probably most, if not all the mythologies, which I think is a fascinating concept in itself. Like, how did 
everyone come up with dragons. But, you know, the Greeks had an exorbitant number of these monsters that were wildly deadly and wildly creative. It's just curious what they could have been seeing in their world that would make them create these monsters, these beasts that would be there to harm them and punish them. And, you know, it's just, it's fascinating. I don't really have an answer, but I think that it is just a fascinating concept, the idea that that a culture would create things like this that were expressly made to punish them. Thank you for listening. It's been a ball. Happy Halloween. The best holiday ever. Watch some totally ridiculous, scary movies. I already watched Scream, one of my favorite movies of all time. Where would I be without it? And again, happy Stranger Things time. As always, I'd love if you would write and review the podcast on iTunes. Um, It would do me a huge favor. And the more I see these ratings and reviews, I mean, frankly, the happier it makes me. It's really exciting to see that people like the podcast and that you're enjoying it. And ratings and reviews really help. Um, That said, you know, nobody's perfect. And again, you can follow me everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's all Myths Baby. There's a website, too, and a Patreon. Guys, I have everything. Everything you could ever want from me. Thank you. You're all flat out wonderful. I'm Liv. I fucking love this shit. Happy Halloween.